welcome back to the conversation collection very excited for this conversation this one is with maya eaglin maya is a digital reporter at nbc news host of stay tuned on snapchat you can also catch her reporting over on peacock on the overview nbc's streaming platform Uh, so she is booked and busy very grateful that she took some time to chat with me now maya and i met while i was working at stay tuned over the past year and i'm so grateful that i was able to work and learn from her just watching not only her work ethic but the quality of work that she produces and just we graduated at the same time we're the same age and she's just such an inspiring motivating person in this field and honestly in any field Um, and i think you'll get that after listening to this conversation we talk about a lot of different things obviously we talk about work and journalism you know the state of digital media in the media landscape right now and how it has changed due to the pandemic and everything that's happened this year Uh, we talk about battling imposter syndrome in early career and and fusing your identity with your work. We talk about the importance of storytelling and and what gives her hope when she's, you know, curating these stories that are targeted to Gen Z and millennials. And uh, she has a lot of great insight on where she thinks we move forward from this crazy year. Uh, We talk about shame. We talk about guilt. We talk about opportunities and working tirelessly for your goals but also making sure to take care of yourself especially in a year like this one so i'm very excited for this conversation again very grateful that she took the time because i saw firsthand just how busy she is so i'm so happy that she's on this project and that you all get to know her a little more Uh, once you listen to this conversation make sure Uh, to go to the links that are linked in the description of this episode and on the Conversation Collection Instagram uh, to find everywhere that you can read more of Maya's reporting, watch her packages, and uh, of course, subscribe to Stay Tuned on Snapchat. So without further ado, this is Maya Eaglin. Yes, digital reporter. So how about you first, let's just start out with, give me the nice Spark Notes version of your career journey here, kind of college through where you are now. Yeah, for sure. So I went to college at Elon University in North Carolina. I'm originally from the DC area. Um, I went down there for their communications program and their journalism program. Yes. And while I was there, I was very hands-on with our student broadcast station. So my freshman year, I was, you know, doing packages, and then I became the host of our morning show. Time went on. My sophomore year, I became the host of the evening show, filing packages. Um, And then my senior year, I actually became the news director there. And that was completely unexpected, but a really great learning experience for me. And while I was in college, I also had internships at Widmire Communications in DC, WRC, Washington's NBC local station, Nightly News in New York, and then NPR and NPR Music as well. So I was definitely doing the most. Mm. I don't know if I I'm would- I'm tired uh, just hearing about that. <laughs> 
not sure if I would recommend that for everyone, kind of like a do as I say, not as I do. But all each one of those experiences were really, really helpful and set me up yeah. super well for the News Associates program, which was my first full-time contract fellowship job after I graduated. Yeah. Um, and that's very similar to the the page program at NBC and the fact that it's a rotational program. But for the news associates, it's really dedicated to just the news programs within NBC. So Today Show, yeah. um, Nightly News, Rachel Maddow Show, Meet the Press. And so I moved to New York City after I graduated um, late in the summer and then had two rotations within the news associates pro program. My first was at the Rachel Maddow show, which was so much fun. I got to go to some of the uh, presidential debates, which was amazing. Yeah. And then my second rotation was at Meet the Press. And that's where I was definitely doing more of like the control room producing and cutting tape and running graphics, all super uh, high pressure situations. But I enjoyed them both so much. And I learned a ton from both of those experiences. Yeah. And so even though the News Associates program was, it's technically slated until you get a job or kind of like this one year mark. But after my second rotation, I had the opportunity to audition for some type of digital on-air position. I didn't have the full details at the time. Um, and my manager was like, you know what? I can't guarantee anything will come of this, but like you kind of fit the description. So I figured you might as well want to give it a shot. Yeah. And I was like, sure. You know, I originally went to college thinking that I would be an on-air local reporter and quickly came to realize that that actually didn't really align with what I wanted to do. And yeah, I ended up writing my own script for my audition. I had two takes in the studio to deliver it the best I could. And it ended up being a, a digital reporting position with the main task being um, a reporter on Stay Tuned with Snapchat and NBC Digital. So it's it was a crazy long process. It was a lot about, I think, timing coinciding with mm. my skill set that I had ready because my manager's like, I don't know. I know you're you're going to produce a track, but do you have a reel? And I was like, yes, I do. See, see <laughs> I'm so glad that you're saying this because a couple of these conversations I've done with different people in all different fields, yep. we're talking about the idea that a lot of times things that seem like luck or like, wow, how did that happen? Is like the intersection of being prepared. You know, like the, you don't got to get ready if you stay ready. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and for you, you had all of these experiences. You were taking lessons from each one of them so that when your lucky moment hit, you were ready for it. You were just there. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. And it is a lot about timing. But like you said, it's a lot about um, preparation, too. And I think it also has to do with what you're passionate about and what you enjoy doing. Yeah. I wanted to be a producer and I was completely fine like retiring as a producer but I still had this love and desire and I think interest in doing something on air but it wasn't my end-all be-all and I think a lot of people a lot of young people can kind of get tripped up of compromising on their first initial job or where they enter in the career market saying oh I'll get to where I want to be eventually but it's super important I think to enter any career field with a really honest mindset. If you want to be on air, if that is your thing, 
live your best life and do that. Like you can be on your, the day after you graduate in a small market, you know, it comes with consequences and sacrifices, but I think it's really important to be honest about what is the most fulfilling part for you. And for me, it has always been writing and talking to people. And I felt like I could fulfill that being a producer and really enjoyed that too. Yeah. And you're killing it. And I mean, I wanted to talk to you as well because you have had a lot of personal career success in the past year, right? When you think about it, right? You got this, this cool job, everything's kind of falling into place for you. Um, you're on the track that you were not only expecting, but one that so many people are like, wow, right out of school. You know, the, these are things that people work towards for years. And you're having this personal success amidst like worldly chaos and yeah. a insane year and unprecedented times and a lot of pain and a lot of sadness for a lot of people. And right. so that dichotomy is kind of weird. And it feels weird. It feels off sometimes. Can you talk a little bit about what it's been like to kind of hit your stride with your early career, coinciding with the start of a global pandemic and the world changing? Because it's it's crazy. It is crazy. And um, yeah, I think everyone is obviously dealing with challenges. And there's it's I don't I haven't met one person who hasn't been impacted in some way, right? Yeah. And the degree to that varies dramatically. Like I, I, I've definitely missed out on the new team welcoming me. I've only met one person in person on my state student team. Isn't that um, wild? And actually, it's so wild. <laughs> the day before I was set to like walk in, yeah. literally, my boss gave me, "Hey, here's our office number. See you tomorrow." 10 minutes later, actually, we've decided we're going to work from home for the rest of the week, right? Yeah. And that's fine. And it's a sacrifice, but it it has been so bizarre, right? Because no one anticipated it lasting this long, being this serious, being this intense. And at the beginning, I was like, oh, well, I can, I can hang out at my apartment for a few months and then just step right into it, you know, and, and get going like everyone else. But it's been over a year now, you know, and we're still out of office for good reason. A lot of people are sick. A lot of people have died and it's, it's in the best interest to keep everyone safe. And I, I truly believe that. Um, but yeah, it's just like expectations, reality. Mm-hmm. It could be a meme. It could be a meme. <laughs> my, <laughs> <Truly>. <laughs> my journey. Yeah. No, truly. It's, it's wild. And I think when I first met you back at the beginning, when I started working with the Stay Tuned team, uh-huh. uh, we, we talked about this because, you know, very different types of jobs, but we have a very similar experience in March 2020, kind of arriving, kind of looking forward to this thing, that's this plan that you had. And that was, you had a very clear picture of what the next couple of months, what the next year was going to look like. And exactly. it, got, it got thrown out the window overnight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, okay, yeah. pivot. Let's uh, yeah. figure this out. Um, but I wanted to talk to you as well, kind of keeping in the early career theme here about making mistakes and the fact that <laughs> we make a lot of those in our early career, yes. right? Um, it can feel debilita- debilitating, especially in a field like, like media or anything involving television with journalism. So how do you navigate that? 
do you get hard on yourself? Are, are you your own worst critic? You know, how do you navigate those, those feelings? I am absolutely my worst critic. And I think that is a lingering side effect from doing a lot of performing arts when I was growing up and yes. having audition and, and being in musicals and operas. And that's something that I created a pattern that I think has been overall not ex extremely beneficial, right, to yeah. my mental health or it doesn't help, you know, it really doesn't help. And I've definitely learned that as an early professional, it's not really if you're going to make mistakes, you definitely will. Yeah. It's when you're going to make them. That's true. How you react and what you learn from it, right? So when you're in these huge arenas and there's a lot of pressure to perform well as a young person. And then you have the added pressure as a woman and you have the added pressure as a black woman. I think the voices can kind of be maximized. So don't mess up, don't mess up, don't mess up. I messed up. You know, I've, I messed up several times. I can think of an article where I had to make a correction. I can think of the first time I did graphics by myself in the control room. I, sent the wrong one to the director. <laughs> That's a class. Anybody has ever done any student media or anything in journalism knows the feeling of seeing <laughs> the wrong, yeah. the wrong graphic pop up on the yeah. screen. <laughs> and it's when like, you're in oh school, God. you should be making those mistakes. Like yeah. you should feel that gun-wrenching feeling in your stomach drop when you see something wrong in your student control room. When you're doing that at like a huge network yeah. and you've been entrusted and they've taken somewhat of a risk of allowing you into this prestigious place and you make that mistake, it feels like the end of the world. I thought I was going to get fired. I was like, well, that's it because <laughs> they said I can't mess up and yeah. here's my mess up. So um, it sucks. It hurts. And I feel like it's, it's only the way I get through it is like not rushing those feelings of frustration out, right? Like really yeah. understanding, wow, I feel so upset at myself right now. And like, why I, 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 I pause to kind of erase it because then it's like, I don't want to pretend that I'm okay. I'm not, you know, I'm mm -hmm. frustrated. I'm angry, I'm questioning my existence, I'm questioning my value, all this imposter syndrome starts coming in. Maybe I am too young or- Girl, say it maybe, again. Right, <laughs> maybe, maybe there's no one who looks like me in this control room for a reason. And those are voices that are super harmful and I think are implanted in seeds of doubt and can be magnified when you mess up, right? Yeah. That's so important. Like I'm big on that leaning into whatever the emotion is that you're feeling, right? Cause it's valid. If it's valid to you, if you're feeling it, it's valid, Yep. but not letting it become that imposter syndrome, shame feeling right. because shame is a killer. Shame, shame is like a, it benefits no one. Exactly. And it makes you, it confuses you cause it makes you feel like you are a mistake, not you made a mistake. Yes. And I think that's and the big difference between, you know, shame and like actually using that frustration to be better in the future. Yeah. 
And you know what? It, um, I think those are great points, David, um, because you kind of have to separate the expectation of perfection, right? And although that typically tends to be the goal of a lot of journalism, because we are humans, we cannot achieve that 100%, you know? Accurate. And I saw saw professionals make mistakes a lot too, Mm -hmm. you know, being someone at the bottom and I'm like, oof, actually that, that was the wrong graphic or, oh no, they sent up the wrong story to cue. It's actually this story, right? And you, you play that teetering line of speaking up and not speaking up, but I would say seeing it happen in real life, it's a bit, it can calm your nerves a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then just understanding how to move past that. So like, what's the lesson I learned? Okay, I checked my graphics three times. I will now check them four times, right? Um, And then unfortunately too, I think it's a little bit of like fake it till you make it and not letting them sweat, right? Um, If they can see you crumble under pressure, you can't take feedback. You can't be called out when you do something wrong. I, Not that, a great look. For sure. Yeah. I don't know if, if you can relate to this. I mean, that was like a thing growing up. That was a value that was so instilled for me. It was like, if you, a very, if you look like you belong, nobody's going to question you. Right. So keep walking, keep yeah. pushing, head up, fake it till you make it. Do <laughs> like, if you are freaking out on the inside, have just like a nice, calm demeanor on the outside. Just yeah. keep going, keep going. And I think that's something I definitely have carried with me throughout all types of facets of my life, but especially in the workplace. Like, I don't want you to know how much work that took me. I want you to think that it was easy. It's a double-edged sword, you know, but that's, that's the thing. But we were, we were discussing a couple weeks back, we were working on a story together and the idea of access, the power of access, right? Whether that comes from the access to education, access to information, access to technology. And, and I see Stay Tuned in the work that you do as very much that's at its core, right? Anybody with a cell phone, anyone with this app has access now to a nice, succinct, clear what's going on in the world. Right. Which a lot of times, especially today when there's so much going on in the world, it's overwhelming. And for a Gen Z audience, you know, it can be hard to field through. So I, I really do admire that the work that you do because it, it, it clarifies it, it gets it nice and succinct and you present it to people. Do you feel that as well with the work that you do? Well, you know, what do you think the, the impact of giving access to information to others is you know, important to you? Do you think about it often? Yeah, yeah, no, I think it is extremely important. Um, It's kind of that purpose and drive that keeps me going and that keeps me excited every day because I'm providing a service, right? Yeah. And even if I'm not um, on air or on screen, you know, it's been really great to be able to help produce other pieces and see a word in a story and feel some type of way about it and be like, hey, like, is there any way we could swap this? I feel like this could actually be a microaggression to this community. Or, mm-hmm. hey, I really like the way you worded this, but I'm wondering if the tone is going to come across the way we intend, right? Yep. So yep, having yep. that agency is something that is, it's incredible, right? It's, 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 I never expected to be in a place at this moment in my life where I would have, you know, that kind of influence. 
Um, but being able to produce a lot of my stories and mm-hmm. um, being able to help other producers finish their pieces if they're on vacation or, you yeah. know, just stepping in where it's needed. It's offered a lot of great filtering. I don't want to say filtering, but um, it's allowed me to also put my voice into what we are disseminating. Yeah. And I think there's a terrible misconception with Gen Z and millennials that we are the headline generation or that we don't care about news or current events. Mm-hmm. I disagree. I push back. Maybe some of us, sure, you to each their own, but I think our generation is one of information and we want to be in the know and we want to be able to at least have a conversation about what's going on with the people around us. So maybe we can't write a dissertation on... Mm-hmm the plane crash that happened last week, but we do know where it happened and we do know how many people were injured. Right. Yep. And, and I also, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. That, that just like you're saying that we are the ones that will deal with the consequences and the repercussions of the decisions being made. Right. You know, we are the generation that's going to have to, that's why I push back when people say that, that younger people don't really need to know nor care about the legislation that is being created right now or what's going on with the environment or various social issues. It's like, yes, they care. They're passionate about it and they're going to get loud about it because that's our futures. Exactly. And I think if there, a lot of times I've seen people who are interested, we do a headline read with what we're watching in our show. If there's something that sticks out to you and say, and makes you think, Hmm, how could I help with that? Or, I wonder if there's anything like that in my area or how is that going to impact my school? Our generation will go in and look up more information. Like this isn't, stay tuned is a great vehicle for letting people know what's going on. But I think a lot of young people also take the agency that if something sticks out to them or they think that they can have an impact on a certain topic, they will take it upon themselves to go further and to learn more. There's an overwhelming sense of, I think, over-information, and especially mm-hmm. with the election season, it just seemed like you couldn't escape it. And I completely uh, understand that, and I can empathize and even have to step away from news sometimes myself. But stay yeah. tuned is a very, like, you are an active participant. You are choosing to click in, and I think our job is making sure that we can give you the best, most concise information that you need to know that day. And you did a fantastic series during Black History Month called Black History All Around Us, right? Yes. Did I get that title right? Yeah. And I loved it because, you know, and you just, you explained it to me when we were working together a couple of weeks ago of kind of, you use this thing, whatever it may be, every day right? And you don't even think about its origins. Right. So could you, could you explain a little bit where that, that idea came to you and, and, and how you executed it and why it was important to you? Yes. So I came up with a few ideas for Black History Month, but that one really stuck. And I think the question I always have or the thoughts that kind of go through my head, and I think with my executive producer is, if someone actually just didn't have a connection to Black history at all, or really didn't have an interest in learning about it, what could be one thing to at least make them listen 30 seconds longer? Or what could be one thing to draw them in and invite them into this conversation of inclusion and equity 
that maybe they didn't realize before. I even learned through that process. I had no idea the three signal traffic light was invented by a black man, right? right. And these are things that are passing us every day. So we had an episode on food, we had an episode on music, an episode on social movements, and an episode on inventions. And I think those umbrellas were wide enough for someone to say, oh, I love music, or yeah. oh, that's my favorite food. My family cooks that every year at our Thanksgiving. And to, you know, filter down some really important history and context surrounding the origins and the purpose yeah. and the cultural significance of all those things. And at the end of the day, what that then does, hopefully, ideally, at least for if, if one person then walks away from that and they realize, oh, okay, black history is something that extends beyond the month of February, right? It's something right. that goes beyond just this government mandated time that we can celebrate it. It's all around us, right? right? And that those contributions then in turn of black and brown communities you know, in this country, they're seen, they're heard, they're appreciated, and they're, you know, daily. And yeah. I think that's why that work is so important. Because, mm -hmm. and, and you did a another fantastic, like, interview on your Instagram, which, um, I forget her name, but a friend of yours, she's also a reporter um, in Richmond. Jasmine Turner. J Jasmine, yes. <laughs> so, and she was saying, you know, it, she feels a sense of responsibility that, you know, how a lot of times I think people in marginalized communities today, they say, why didn't I learn about this in school? Like, why am I just finding out about this now at 25? And it's, the hope is that the next generation, they no longer say that. Right. They just say, oh yeah, I know that. Right. So maybe like doing that conscious effort to create work that will educate in that way. So that hopefully the people coming behind us do not have that detachment from their own history. A hundred percent. And I think yeah. that that spans across every culture, not just the yeah. community, but ensuring that also the expert voices we're using and the people we're highlighting don't all look the same, you know? That's true. So that younger generation see, oh, there's a doctor on Saytoon who's Southeast Asian, just like me, right? Mm -hmm. And though those little seeds of, of yeah. representation and education, I think are going to have a really positive lasting impact on, on all of us. Absolutely. I love how you describe that. They are little seeds that get planted along yes. the way throughout your life. And you don't realize how impactful they were until later, until you're older. I remember the first time I heard the In the Heights soundtrack, the musical. Mm. Yes. And again that's something i can reflect now 24 almost 25 as to why that was so groundbreaking the first time i heard that why did it capture my attention it's because it sounded like the music that i was hearing in my yeah. house in my grandparents house they were talking like them you know it was the poster looked like them and and that's something that comes years later and the same thing can be said about news and these stories that you're creating and the stories that you're choosing to tell. You're yeah. giving those viewers the chance to, to expand their horizons and they don't even know it yet. And they'll find out later down the road when it's hopefully just the norm yeah. that everybody feels seen and understood. A hundred percent. And I will even say, I think one of the pressures that pushed me away from pursuing the traditional local news reporter route 
was the feedback I was receiving from my stories. Oh, your hair. Um, is there any way you can keep it straightened? We see it straightened in this one clip. Could you straighten your hair always? Or, you know, you sound a little young, which I do. I know this. So I don't think you could be in my market for mm, probably another 10 or 15 years, right? And all these things that were pressuring me to mold myself into someone who I was not felt so unsettling. And that's why I was like, no more. Like I, I will write, I will be a producer. I'm, I am satisfied behind the scenes. But what I think is so ironic and so beautiful is I'm able to bring my entire authentic self into the role I have now. And it works well. I am giving news to young people who want authenticity, who want someone who appears to be young, you know, Um, and understands what's trending and understands the the culture. So um, I'm very, very, very thankful for that. This has been a year, at least for me, and this project has been for me a lot of reflecting, a process of reflecting, trying to understand all of the different layers and facets of this year. What have you learned about yourself? If you look back over the past year, what's, what's a lesson about yourself that you, you take away? Hmm, that's a really good question. I would probably say I always thought of myself to be someone who is extremely adaptable, mm-hmm. but I never truly understood the meaning of that word yeah. to the full extent that I do now, right? Yep. When yep. we're doing all these interviews via Zoom, connections go out. Windows are, are backlighting our guests. We have to ask them to move. We are having to adjust our own audio. There was one week where my mic just stopped working and I had no audio source, right? Yeah. So as a journalist in school, you're taught to be adaptable and what that looks like, I think is important to understand and to know, but I have never had to be, I think, as flexible and as fluid and as willing to just make it work as I have as a digital journalist during a pandemic. And I'm sure the other journalists and reporters who are actually out in the field can say that tenfold over, right? And probably experience that on a level far more than I do. Um, But being able to problem solve in a really quick way and to adapt and to work with what you have, um, are principles that I, I do believe I had in myself, but have never had to fully live as strongly every single day as I have yep. now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it was, I think it wasn't by choice, right? You know, you're, it, the switch flipped overnight Yeah. for everyone. Right. And you had to flex muscles that you thought you were flexing. And then when everything changes, you're like, yeah. oh, right. That's what this feels like. What would you say is the, the biggest lesson you've learned? Okay, Maya, flipping the script. Okay, interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, gosh. Oh, man, oh, man. I think, um, I think we are all um, more resilient than we think. And it's important to take the time to sit in what you're feeling and reflect more often. Like reflecting and sitting in what you're feeling or what you've been through should not be something that you do every six months. 
Right. Or every year. Or until you crash. Or until you crash. And I think a lot of people this year, when everything stopped and you're forced to reckon really with everything going on in your mind, because that's all you got. Right. It's like, you're just here. I mean, obviously we work and we have other responsibilities, but you strip everything else away. I think a lot of people realize that this year. Yeah. And, and giving yourself grace is a big one too. And by the way, these are lessons and stuff that's not like I've learned and that I'm now an expert at. Oh, giving my, likewise. Giving, my, giving myself grace and like sitting in whatever. Like these are ongoing. These are daily things, but I think their importance really became evident this year. Yeah. I think one more thing I would add too is just the humbleness to know that as an early professional, there's always going to be a new learning curve. As soon as you think you master something, something else is going to be introduced to you where you have to be honest and ask for help and say, hey, I'm not understanding this concept. I'm not understanding this process. Is there anyone who can break it down a little bit more for me or walk me through it? Right. And it's it's never a point where it's like, oh, six, six months down, I'm good to go. I know everything, right? I think it's yeah. so important to be a constant learner and yeah. understand that it's just impossible for you to know everything that you need to this young in your career. Yeah, I did this project. It was like a, a documentary I made in my sophomore year of college. It was called I Know Nothing. Yeah, And it was about that concept. It was based on a, on a quote, but um, it was about, I used my journey with learning how to play piano to discuss how you can never learn at all. Yeah. And that's what you need to hold on to. Use it as motivation, use it as fuel, but also use it to humble you and know that even if you're great at something, there's always more to be learned and like be excited in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You like somebody said on our team the other day, you know, Maya's on her way. She's going to be here, there, and everywhere, basically, like something along those lines. And so what excites you about the future? I think what excites me is that if you were to ask me the month I graduated, if I could ever foresee myself being in the position I am now, I would laugh in your face. I would say there's absolutely zero chance that that is going to happen to me. And so I'm now releasing myself of those expectations, right? I'm releasing myself of a five-year plan. I'm releasing myself of the dream promotion because I'm living my dream right now, right? I want to live every single day with gratitude and understanding that, wow, like I really think that this is my purpose in life. And if there was no way I could predict where I would be a year ago, more than a year ago, who am I to say where I'm going to be a year from now, right? I don't even know. There's so many platforms emerging. Peacock, yeah. the overview, that was never on my radar, radar yeah. right? So my kind of mantra is just continue to learn, keep my skill sets in producing and reporting up to par and continue to work on both of those so that when my next opportunity comes or someone is presenting me with um, a new project, I can take it. And like you said, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Like I want to stay ready because I have no idea what's next. Okay, uh, I'm going to edit my previous response as to what the lesson was from this year yeah. <laughs> to that. 
because that's so true. We cannot plan. I mean, you can be prepared. You can stay prepared, stay ready, yes. um, do all of that. But in terms of trying to predict where you're going to be in two years from now, if this yeah. year has taught us anything, you just don't know. You just don't know. So let go of that. And then just like you said, bask in whatever it is that you got going right now. And if you don't love it, if you don't like where you are, then let's Move. figure out, let's yeah. figure out how to pivot out of that situation and find something that you do because 100%. life is entirely too short mm-hmm. to, to stay unhappy mm-hmm. and to stay. Another thing that was in one of the conversations that you did on your Instagram was that you are not your job. Like your, your position, your, your position title is not you. Yes. So figuring out and allowing space for what that is and, and putting that at the top of the priority list for sure. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I completely agree with you. Um, and it is this great liberation that you get from that once you can truly embody and live that. And it's hard. It's hard not to freak out about (laughs) the future and, Easier said than done. When I was a college senior my last spring semester and I didn't have a job, you know, in February or April, I was like, well, what am I going to do? Because I thought I checked all the boxes to set myself up well, and I don't have anything lined up. Right. And it's, it's trusting the timing, trusting the universe, the source, whatever you believe in that, Mm -hmm. you know, your journey is, is there. It's just a matter about of when, you know, that door is going to open, but there is a door and it has your name on it. So one of my favorite Oprah Winfrey quotes, I have a lot Mm -hmm. because she is queen. Yeah. One of my favorite things that she said, she said this in her Golden Globe speech that you always have to try and, and, Find what keeps you hopeful for a brighter morning, even during the darkest night, right? So Mm -hmm. what gives you hope for the future? Whether that comes to the chaos that we've been living through in the past year, whether that comes from Gen Z, the audience that you're talking to all the time and that you are hoping to report to and inform, you know, what gives you hope for that brighter morning? I actually think it's a combination of a few things. For one, definitely our generation, Gen Z and millennials. Like, I feel like one of the most amazing attributes is we can call something out for what it is, right? We don't have to sugarcoat anything. We can look at a system that's existed for a very long time and see the corruption and see the gaps in it and question it. And maybe we can't change it overnight, but at least we can say, hey, this is actually really unfair. Why have y'all been on board with this since we were- Right, why the, the, the excuse of it's just that way. Yes. I don't think it works for, for millennials yeah. and Gen Z. That doesn't yeah. cut it. It's like, well, why? <laughs> yeah, tradition is not the justification that we want to hear, right? Because yeah. we are so non-traditional. Yeah. Um, and I see so many people motivated and active and- um, involved in their communities in changing those things step by step. And it, it really is a long game, but I'm definitely inspired and motivated by all the amazing stories that um, people share with me and that we get to, to share on Stay Tuned in hopes of creating a better world, a cleaner world, a more fair world, 
a funner world, a more beautiful world. Like these are all things yeah. that so many people, their passion and the light with inside them shines for those reasons. Right. And I can see that. And it, I love being able to elevate that for others to see. Yeah. So I have hope for the future. I think we are, we are capable, you know, there's a lot of ish to get right and to get back on track. <laughs> we got to wade through some stuff. Right. <laughs> but, right. But what we'll a great, what a great moment to, to take this opportunity, especially during the pandemic of internal reflection. What in my yeah. life, you know, was something I wouldn't always wanted to change or alter that maybe now I have the time to work on or what's going to be different after the pandemic, a pattern or a habit I want to break to make mm. my own social circle healthier. You know, yeah. I think we all have really amazing agency and power within all of us. And then when you add that on a collective scale, like the possibilities are endless. Yeah. And that's the energy we need to take into the future. Yes. 100%. Beyond beyond this year. And, and of course, the issues and the, the problems that we've dealt with over the past year will continue. Yeah. And we'll call them out. And we'll call them out. And I think that there's power in that. And there's Absolutely. hope There's hope in that. And, and that's something to look forward to. Yes. Yes. Well, Maya, this was absolutely lovely. I know how busy you are. So for you to take the time to do this little project with me means the world. I'm so glad I was able to chat with you. Where can, where can anybody listening find you if they want to see more of these stories oh, and, and hear yeah. more about you? Well, thank you so much for having me again, David. And of course, always here to chat. I know you are um, heading to your next chapter very soon, but very excited for whatever that is for you. If you, yes, if you want to see some more of my reporting, definitely you can hop on. Stay tuned via Snapchat. We also have an Instagram page. My personal social is just my name, Maya Eaglin, E-A-G-L-I-N. And that's on Instagram. Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat. So you can find me there. Check it out, everyone. She's about to blow up. <laughs> y'all hear it? Y'all heard it here first. And you know what? What's so awesome about this project? I've been telling people this is an audio time capsule that we're all going to be able to listen back yes. on, right? You know, you're going to be able to pick this out years Hello, from now. Future self. Hello. <laughs> How are you things doing? Are, things are pretty good. It's <laughs> better worldwide, but they're pretty good. Exactly. So it's going to be something we can listen back on and, and feel feel good about. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, David. I will I talk to you soon. You. Yes. Talk to you soon. Okay. Appreciate it. Bye.